like I love products, but I'm kind of hopeless at it. So <laughs> I think that though helped Bella Box and Stand and Sky because we're kind of really simple in what we want and uh, we need that information quickly and we need results quickly. So it means that we've marketed products with that same type of push and then also made our own products that, that fit the bill. Hello and welcome to another episode of Beauty Boss, the podcast about all things beauty and beyond. I'm Jackie from the team at Girlfriend and as always, I'm with the lovely Alana. Aloha, just bringing some tropical vibes to your winter. (laughs) Just there, enjoy that. Each week we'll be bringing you an interview with one of the biggest names in the industry and finding out all of their tips and tricks. We'll also be delving beyond skin deep to find out how they've embraced their own unique beauty. And today we have the amazing Sarah Hamilton from Sand and Sky and of course, holy grails and beauty fails of the week and we have some amazing ones in store for you guys. Indeed we do. But Jackie, before we get into our chat with Sarah from Sand and Sky, I need to know what is your holy grail for this week? Yes. So I have winter blues with my skin. I'm a little bit dry, sad. I have discovered the world of mists. I love a mist. (laughs) I know you do. We both love to be constantly hydrated. We both slather on our faces before bed. It's something that we have a mutual love for. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have recently discovered this rose water mist from uh, the body shop. So it's $14, super, super cheap. Mm -hmm. And I'm just hydrated all year round. Very interesting, Jacqueline. Yep, love it. Have you tried the Mario Badescu one? No, I haven't. Mm, I'm also rose small. water with aloe Ooh, at I'm Mecca. Not a, I'm not a big rose fan. Neither. But I just love how hydrated I feel. I think it smells like Nana's. It does smell not as much as lavender though. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely. What about yours? Hit me. <laughs> My product for the week is the Hourglass Scattered Light Eyeshadows. They're like Ooh. kind of – a loose pigment, but they're not because they're pressed, but they're not like a proper pressed shadow. They're in a little pot. It's very confusing to explain, <laughs> but they're essentially like a loose-ish glitter <laughs> that's not chunky glitter. It's just like this perfect sparkle on your eyelids, but better than any pressed eyeshadow. They're $44 at Mecca, Yeah, but I have it in the rose gold color and I wore it the other night and I'd forgotten all of my makeup. I was away. <laughs> I was doing my makeup. I used bronzer <laughs> as my crease color and then I put Wild. this like scattered lights on my eyelid and everybody complimented me on my makeup <gasps> all night. And I was like, wow, I didn't even try and the people, they love me. Can you blame them? Exactly. It was beautiful. <laughs> so easy and it makes you look like you've tried so much harder. <laughs> anyway, Jackie, you have a fail for us this week. I do have a fail and I feel like I've definitely spoken about my manky finger nails before. Yep. It's one of my biggest beauty problems. <laughs> I'm I'm a picker, I'm a nervous biter, I'm very ashamed. This is this is my outlet to confess all my sins <laughs> to you guys. I was going out to um, celebrate my friend's engagement and I really wanted nice fingers to try that, you know, that boomerang where you're cheersing with your friend. You can't do that with an ugly hand. uh, You can't do that with an ugly friend. (laughs) (laughs) Ugly hand. My friends are all attractive. (laughs) Just because they're listening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I thought that I would DIY nails just you know the the cheap ones the fake nails that you can stick on yourself you Mm -hmm. know 
So opened up the packet, which has probably been sitting in my cupboard for far too long. Let's move on. Cracked open the glue and it was rock hard. Like it had dried. It obviously not closed the lid prior. It was a mess. So jumped on our bestie Google. How do you do like DIY fake nail glue? That was my first mistake. Got out the PVA glue. (laughs) Mixed it with some clear nail polish. I was... Alana, I was following the instructions because now you've taught me well. It was an absolute mess. You should have seen me. I fell asleep with like my hands like on top of like I stacked pillows beside me to put my nails to dry. I I desperately wanted them to work. And like I must have slept like an absolute lunatic because they did. They, they dried but as soon as I woke up and was making my cup of tea in the morning, they just like – folded off into this weird like <laughs> toffee mess anyway you realize that most supermarkets are open until midnight these days and you could have just gone and bought a new glue this is why you're in my life <laughs> you're you're great in the aftermath of a disaster thank <laughs> With you so all much. of the judgment <laughs> so don't google how to do things don't put pva glue on your fingernails all round bad experience but you know what i've learned from this I need to stop biting my fingernails. You do. Or you need to accept your manky nails. I do. <laughs> anyway, enough from us. Let's get into our chat with Sarah. This superstar puts the boss in beauty boss. Twin sister besties Emily and Sarah Hamilton founded the beauty sampling subscription Bella Box. And a few years ago, the girls got their hands busy in their own line of beauty products, Sand and Sky, which sold out of 60,000 units within 12 weeks. Here to chat all things beauty empire is Sarah Hamilton. Hi. (laughs) What a great intro. (laughs) Thank you, Sam. Quite impressive. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. It's just totally insane that you now run two businesses with your sister. How is it working so closely with your sibling? I think it's probably, it it definitely meets the stereotype. So think about (laughs) you know, the discussions that were quite heated and (laughs) arguments over certain things. It's definitely all of it. But as we get into our very early 40s now, it just gets easier and you respect each other for what you can do. I mean, definitely the Bellabox days. There were times that we weren't speaking to each other. So, (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like our early investors were almost like, wow, do we have to mediate between you two? And I think it's... Because we're both so driven and quite competitive mm. that naturally that happens. But it's funny, the more that, that happens, it's almost facing your fear. The more it happens, the better you get at dealing with it. Oh, I have a sister and can totally relate. I mean, we don't have any businesses together, but she certainly gets on my nerves. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's it's almost you learn what buttons to push. So, yes. you know, when someone's done that to you a few times, you either – go with it and get annoyed or you just move on. So, yeah, we've definitely learned how to deal with um, frustrations, but it all comes from a place of wanting to do the right thing by ourselves and um, by the businesses as well. And have you always been really close with her? So we, at school, not so much. So we had different groups of friends, but as we got older, we became really close. Like we're one of, you know, two of four kids. So we have two um, younger brothers as well. So, and we used to hang out with family friends all the time. So I think inadvertently you're close, like you probably don't realise it. And then it's only as you get older that you realise how close you are. And, you know, we even work with 
um, Emily's husband. And so I think with every director's call, he gets used to the banter that we have to go through before we start talking about anything to do with the business. <laughs> and she'll just ring me about nothing but, you know, it'll just be about family or what's going on. Yeah. And and then by the end she'll be like, oh yeah, I want to call you about you know X Y and Z. So yeah. <laughs> both of fun. your um, businesses are, are very beauty related as well. Have you both been so interested in the beauty empire? No, I feel like it shouldn't be us. We shouldn't be where we are because we're not beauty aficionados. We're almost. <laughs> You know, it's embarrassing. I always tell people, I remember one of the girls we worked with wanted to do my makeup for something I was doing, an interview, and she looked at my makeup bag and was just dying. She was just like, that's disgusting. You know, I like, I I think that you should have one makeup brush for everything. And I have broken palettes and I, like, I love products, but I'm kind of hopeless at it. So I think that though helped Bella Box and Stand and Sky because, we're kind of really simple in what we want and uh, we need that information quickly and we need results quickly. So it means that we've marketed products with that same type of push and then also made our own products that, that fit the bill without requiring us to sit still for too long. <laughs> and what about what about little Sarah? Were you breaking pallets back then and, and using yeah. one brush for everything <laughs> or, or were you a little different I, was, I think it was even worse so <laughs> when we were at school um we were at quite a sporty school so I think you know I laugh about this like our beauty memory is people wearing makeup you know foundation that stopped at their chin you know yes. that at your jawline yeah and I think maybe I put mascara on like I had my makeup once done when I was in year 12 and I remember thinking oh this that took so long and I look so different <laughs> don't have time for that <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'd rather, you know, it's almost like that, yeah, Aussie lifestyle. We always talk about that sort of healthy glow. So always a lot of sunscreen, but just not, but a bit hopeless with beauty. <laughs> Isn't that embarrassing? Like, everyone's like, why? Why did you guys? <laughs> why have you worked this out? <laughs> we just looked at it through a different lens, I think. So how did the idea of Bella Box come about? So I was living in New York and Emily in Singapore and we saw Birchbox, which was the sort of the pioneer of this concept launch in the US. And what we really loved about it was there was two girls that were at uni and they weren't, again, beauty aficionados, but they were able to work out what women wanted from beauty. And so we just saw an opportunity for business that we thought would help us. You know, I would always go into a department store and spend $500 on stuff that I would never use. So having something that's delivered to you monthly that can help you navigate the beauty world mm-hmm. resonated with us and we thought it could be a business that we could run. And so from there, we just went about planning and I had to move back to Australia and and then we launched about five months later. Five months? Oh, my that's gosh. So <laughs> We're impatient. So... <laughs> Like, let's do this. <laughs> I think we even we even launched without the subscription mechanism on our website. So our first box was essentially a limited edition <laughs> subscription subscription box, service. You know. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, we don't care. And look, by that stage, there were some competitors bubbling. So we we thought we had to um, launch very quickly. We thought we just have to get those customers back. That helped us prove the concept. 
And did you find it tricky to get the concept off the ground in terms of with people supplying products for the boxes as well? I mean, I know that the Australian market was probably, if it was around the time of Birchbox, I remember that I was one yeah. of the early box adopters, but was it hard mm-hmm. to get the brands involved? Yes, it was because it was almost the customers um, were definitely ahead of the brands, which is sad. <laughs> uh, so it was easier to acquire customers than it was to source product and people just didn't believe in sampling. Mm. And it's so funny now with Sand and Sky, we've sampled over 2 million samples worldwide and it's one of the best, you know, returns on investment that we could, you know, the channel that we could pursue. So it's so great now to see it work. And then we're really good at negotiating with the beauty boxes because we know what to ask. But, (laughs) yeah, so it was was hard because brands just couldn't, you know, but it's almost like, wow, you can – send a sample of your product to a captive customer and we have all their details to contact them. So when does that happen? That just doesn't happen that often anymore. So, and that they're taking a moment for themselves and taking time to really try and engage with the product. Mm. So it was really hard. You know, I sat in meetings where people were texting and not listening to the presentation, <laughs> uh, you know, and it was so great. Now one of our brand managers actually worked at Glossy Box in the US. So, she just contacts the brands directly in the US, which is great because they believe in it. You yeah. Know, there's beauty boxes over there. I think Ipsy's over 3 million. I think Birchbox is close. And then there's, you know, countless other boxes that are all succeeding in the US. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it shows the power of it. And with Sand and Sky, did, like, how did you kick that business off the ground, I guess? <laughs> It's funny, we worked with a great girl who uh, had been a brand manager at Bella Box as well, and we just said we wanted to start an Australian skincare company because we grew up, as we said, we were kind of hopeless with beauty, but we grew up in a very, you know, natural food. I always laugh. I think I've had antibiotics once in my life. <laughs> uh, you know, if we were got a cold, we had to have a garlic tablet. You know, we just grew up in this world where everything was quite simple and, and good skincare was important. So, mm. and when we lived overseas, that people just loved the fact that you were from Australia. They wanted to come to Australia. And so the more we dug into that and the more we learnt about, you know, the flora and fauna that's really unique to Australia mm. and that there were brands but everything was going to that really minimalist phase and we were sort of like, well, you can be a luxury beauty brand but be colourful and fun and everything that's Australian. Yeah. So that was the sort of seed or the seeds <laughs> of the concept and um, we just went from there. <laughs> When it first dropped too and, you know, there was this big hype and everyone wanted to get their hands on it, that must have been such a surreal moment for you. It was unbelievable, totally unexpected. You know, we just – I'd been to Singapore, so we'd been to Singapore for work and, and one of our, um, our marketing director, who's now one of our um, co-founders as well, she and I were on a plane at different times and I got off the plane and – Within six hours, we'd done, you know, three times the sales that we'd done the previous day and it just went crazy. Oh, and, you know, and we, you know, of course now you're seeing results in real time and so, and you know, you see what one post can do and the Mm -hmm. best thing about it was it was our customers that were sticking up for us. They were saying, oh, my God, I love this product. So, you know, I'd love to say it was the best laid marketing plans and (laughs) sampling strategy and we did everything perfectly yeah but it was totally the customers and that we were bringing them something that they hadn't 
used before and we were our own brand. I think that was really important. It would have been nice, um, you know, from your point of view too, not having to market so hard and it was like real customers, real opinions coming back and, you know, just loving everything that you're doing. It's definitely really humbling. It's mm. certainly what we believed the product was. So we weren't, you know, we weren't surprised. We were just surprised at how quickly it took off. And I think we launched to in the world of, you know, Insta-famous brands that were all from China and mm. and we had seen that. So we wanted to make sure that everyone knew that we were Australian. And I, there was once even a post where someone said they're not in Australia, they're from China. Uh, and we were like, okay. Um, and so we posted a photo on Instagram of the trams going past our old office because we were on the corner of Elizabeth and Flinders Lane in the city. Yeah. And then our customers were like, yeah, they are Australian. Like, that office, you know, so it was just – it was almost like just dealing with the feedback and really engaging with your customer that kept that snowball going. And, I mean, how did you handle having to restock so quickly? I mean, 60,000 units you would have originally ordered that saying, that'll last us, you know, six months, years, right? It was hilarious. Uh, the director of our manufacturers I became very close with, so I just would talk to him every day about what we could do about remaining in stock. We brought on another manufacturer. Uh, so it, it was just, it was literally not accepting the normal lead times and, and working very closely with our manufacturers. And they could see it was going crazy. So they were like, okay, you know, we've got – and we said we're just – we're a social media brand now. We can't wait. You know, it's not about saying to a retailer, no, we can't fulfill that PO. It's like – no, <laughs> this is just amazing. We don't want to lose this momentum. So, again, we were just blown away. And I think we just looked at the numbers. So we've done over 800,000 masks since we launched, which is just wow. ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> you must have been pinching yourself too when not only, you know, real customers are coming back with this amazing feedback, but huge YouTubers like Jeffrey Star were, you know, mm. promoting your products as well. Again, it was crazy, but it's funny despite everything that's going on that you just choose to focus because it's like, okay, now I need to get stock. Okay, now we need to do this. And, you know, <laughs> we're really big on monitoring our reviews online. You know, oh, someone's upset that there's a broken brush, so then we go back and we're like, look at our supply chain. Where is that happening? So through it all, there probably wasn't enough celebrating because we were just like, all right, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, we <laughs> go, go, go. This keeps going. This keeps going. So we need to really be on top of it. So, yeah, it just it almost provided clarity in the craziness. It's just like, well, this is what our focus needs to be and we just need to try and keep on track. Mm. And I think one of the things people love the most about Sand and Sky is your highlight on Aussie ingredients and really good, wholesome ingredients. Was that important for you when you were designing and developing the product? Oh, 100%. So even when we went to our manufacturers and we said, okay, well, all the ingredients, they need to come from Australia, obviously. And and they said, really? No one else does that. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, what does that make, make, it, make any sense? Because if it's made in Australia, they're like, it doesn't mean it's sourced in Australia. Yeah. So, and I think then, again, the customer wants to think, so where is it from? And so we'd be like, okay, well, where, where is the old man's way from? And blah, 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 blah. And so <laughs> it was really important because we truly wanted to be an Australian brand and we maybe naively thought that that's what an Australian brand should be. And I think after, again, after living mm. overseas, it's, it's nice to be able to give back to Australian manufacturing as much as we can. Definitely. Um, so, and, and we really believed, I think 
we got a few questions about, you know, French pink clay versus Australian pink clay. And, you know, our sort of rebuttal or our reason is our environment is more pure and we believe that that yields better results. And that's our belief. That's why we want the best ingredients. We want them to be from Australia. So, uh, yes, super important, super yeah, important. Yeah, and you also don't test on, on animals. Was that something else that was sort of non-negotiable for you guys? Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just think, why? <laughs> and, and because we're using, you know, because we're using natural ingredients as mm. much as possible and, you know, we always, you always should patch test your skin for anything that you're using, especially if you know that you've got sensitive skin. Mm. It almost is like, well, yeah, this, it, it just doesn't correlate anymore to do that. Yeah, yeah, and you know, the masters, all these sorts of amazing things. It makes your skin clearer and brighter. When you were younger, little Sarah, <laughs> did yeah. you struggle with these sort of skin issues that the mask could have helped with? Oh, 100%. So I definitely had issues with my pores. I had blackheads. Like I didn't have lots of pimples, but I more had congested skin. And so I, I did a mask this morning actually because I'm working from home because um, my kids are on school holidays, so they're all at school holiday camp. Uh, and so I was like, well, I'm not going to see anyone for a few hours. <laughs> I'm going to sit here and do work. It's and, me time. Um, it's me time. I'm doing my mask typing. <laughs> and, yeah, it totally would have been great for my skin. And to see the difference now and to have everyone talk about it, how much of a difference it makes. And, and we didn't go for a, a product that would – solve acne <laughs> we went for a product that would reduce your pores and then it's been really nice to see that byproduct because the initial round of testing was literally done on four people wow <laughs> <laughs> so when people came back with that we were like oh that's wow that's amazing but it makes sense doesn't it because you're withdrawing all the the gunk from your pores yeah. yeah um and would you have any tips for anybody that wants to start their own empire or beauty empire specifically Oh, look, we, I think, we're, yeah, I think try and find your niche. We didn't know how much of a gap there was in the market. And so we were true to the brand, but we tried to do something that we didn't think that people were looking at. And I think that still can definitely happen. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's looking at that and, and talking to a lot of people about how they do it. I mean, Launching a website on Shopify these days is kind of easy. The, the compliance piece and the legal piece um, it, and the tax piece is definitely hard, so you need to be able to do work on that. But I don't know. I think sometimes you kind of have to take a risk. As I said, we didn't know what was going to happen with Sand and Sky. We knew what it wanted to be and we were true to that mm -hmm. and then that just helped sell the product. <laughs> Everything just kind of <laughs> followed along with it. Yeah. Oh, well, I think it's time for our rapid fire questions. Yes. All right. <laughs> Alana, do you want to do the honours? Okay, I'm ready. Are you ready, Sarah? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. If you could only use one beauty product for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, a face oil. Do I have to say the brand? If you want. <laughs> uh, I'm loving – I. Um, met Zoe Foster Blake because of the ABD collaboration that we did with those yes. guys and I got her face oil and I'm like oh my god it's amazing yeah sorry that wasn't a rapid fire I can get this is my first one we'll let it slide it's okay just this one time <laughs> what one word would you use to describe your beauty routine oh simple what is your biggest beauty fail 
not knowing how to apply makeup. <laughs> the beauty trend you've never mastered. Oh, uh, liquid eyeliner. Mm, classic. <laughs> and <It's> so hard. <laughs> when do you feel you're most beautiful? Oh, uh, uh, on holidays at the beach. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Very last one. If you could give one piece of advice to your 16-year-old self, what would it be? Trust in yourself and take risks early. Oh, <laughs> thank you so much for chatting <laughs> with us. No, it's been lovely. That's why I'm like, I've had such a great lineup of podcasts. I'm like, I think I'm meeting the nicest people in Australia. Feel free to come back anytime you like, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you. I will, definitely. I definitely think we need a face mask night. She's incredible. Lock her in. Bring Sarah. We're good. She'll bring the face masks. We'll bring the faces. That's all we need. <laughs> That's all we have time for today, girlfriends. But please make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Rate and review. It means we can get into more ear holes each and every week. You can also find us on Instagram at beautybosspodcast and make sure you tell us what you want to hear more of and who you want to hear it from. Next episode, we'll be bringing you another interview with another one of our favourite girl bosses. So make sure you tune in. But until, until then, then, try using your lipstick as a blush for a monochromatic look. Bye! Bye.